Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter Thirty-four of a pot of their own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts Linda Serovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So this was going to be a happy podcast. This is, you know, we record this as the All Star Game is going on um, at about eight thirty p.m. on Tuesday night. Uh, but everything changed when five minutes before we started recording. Breaking news, <laughs> Jacob deGrom experienced mild muscle soreness around his shoulder on Sunday. He played because of catch- course he did. Because of course he did. Um, he played catch on Monday and Tuesday without issue, but the Mets pushed back his simulated game to Thursday, quote, out of an abundance of caution. Ah! <laughs> uh, <laughs> if there's anything I love to have an abundance of, it's caution. <laughs> oh, God. I know that like Miles like still through, but I don't know. I know that mild muscle soreness should not 
like be that big of a deal or like set alarm bells off. But we're at the stage of like Jacob deGrom hasn't, you know, pitched in a game in over a year and keeps getting hurt again. And it's at the point where it's like any minor thing is like DEFCON one. It's, uh, it, it was definitely also a stage in the David Wright never coming back to baseball. I and I, yeah. I just need him to come back to baseball so that he'll be back at baseball. That's all I want. Ugh. But it's like, I don't even know like if he ever does come back. I'm just going to be watching him, waiting for him to break again. Like, will I even be able to enjoy watching him pitch? Because the whole time I'll be holding my breath, seeing if he's wincing, seeing if he's holding his arm strange or so. It's like. This was what it was like the whole time last year. Yeah, it's going to be that again. Like. Um, and and Dacoma was the first one to report it, but obviously, like all the beat reporters tweeted it almost at once. But then Dacoma followed it up with this obviously pushes DeGrom's timeline back a bit. It's now difficult to see him returning for the upcoming Yankees series. If the Mets decide, given this new information, that he needs another rehab start after the sim game, his return wouldn't happen until August. Now, that I mean, you know, so. Again, this is all assuming no pain, like that this pain doesn't get any worse or doesn't recur or happen again. And when when you get into a point where he's throwing his very first game of the season in August, like at that point, how much can he contribute to this stretch run? Like He'll any be Jacob so rested for the World Series, sure. <laughs> maybe he like, yeah. Maybe he's mid-season form for the World Series. <laughs> you know, I but mean, like, and I, I mean, any any like millisecond of Jacob Degrom pitching is better than not that millisecond. Yes, yes, correct. Even if he goes like four innings per start. Would be super if it was more than a millisecond, though. Just like if yeah. if I'm yes. if I'm putting that out there. Can we get greedy and ask for more than one millisecond? <laughs> yeah, more than one millisecond. Multiple. Jacob DeGrom. Several. Yeah. Several milliseconds. I just, yeah. I mean, now I'm kind of like, his return won't happen until August. How about the National Series? timers day august 27th (laughs) oh my god i hope it's not that far Ugh. please (laughs) if it's that far then we're talking about like bad things very bad things i this is also true and at that so i'm like i'm trying not to be like too much doom about this but what would you two say at this point it's hard it's hard I'm I'm get I'm I'm sending some feelers out for you two. What is the likelihood he makes this? He does this sim game on Thursday. Like what what, what percent confident are you that he does it? Oh, I'm zero percent confident he returns at all this season. At this, point. oh my god! I, whoa, that's more doom than me. If, if I had to get, I mean, I would say there's probably a seventy percent chance he makes that sim game. Yeah. That's about what I put it at. I probably put closer to 60% that he does the sim game on Thursday. Because well, he did he throw. He threw, yeah, he threw Monday and Tuesday. So now, am I am I hanging my hat on anything coming after that? I am not. No. That's the thing. Is that and you know objectively, is this sort of news likely to lead to season ending, whatever? 
probably not. But it's also hard to like break out of that that mindset. Like, yeah, it feels it like there's a lot of reasons to think it is this bad. And that is a correct statement. But also there's a lot of reasons that it is probably not that bad. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I'm willing to entertain the possibility. Out of an abundance of caution. Jesus Christ. Uh, but it's um, just, I'm so sad that they, his best two seasons were on bad teams. Yep. And now the Mets are finally good. Do yeah. not talk about Jacob DeGrom in the past tense, Linda. <laughs> He's not dead yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll try not to, but still. He's mostly dead. I think bare minimum, it's hard to see the sim game being his last thing. Cause like, even if it goes fine, even if it's like the best case scenario, which at this, which is at this point, he throws the sim game without soreness or pain. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to see them not giving him another rehab start after that, since he was previously experiencing pain. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe they're, maybe Jake's going to be like, I'm fine. It's really fine. Let's go. But who knows? I mean, from from DeGrom's perspective, it's getting to the point where if it's if it's that much further delayed, like it it will be hard for him to put forth a body of work to opt out of the contract and get his biggest payday he can, which he deserves like he should do. Like we've talked we talked about this way back when he initially said his intention was to opt out. Like we on this podcast are not against Jacob DeGrom opting out. I mean, like we would love for him to stay, of course, but he should get his due. But it's going to be harder and harder for him to do that if he doesn't pitch this season or pitches very little this season. Yeah, it's going to be. He has another opt out next year, right? I think so. Yeah. So he can wait a year, but he's not getting any younger. Yeah. So no, for sure. That's we'll see what happens, but who comes like, back him or Lucchese first? <laughs> hmm. um, I don't know. It's, it's a good question because Lucchese was shooting for August too. Yeah. was shooting for like around that same timeline. So who knows? Remember <laughs> when we were like saying who comes back first to Grom or Scherzer. And that was like a serious debate yeah. and Scherzer has been back for, <laughs> Yeah. Like a week or two now. <laughs> oh man. And now anyway. we have to talk about Luke Casey. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. David Peterson in the rotation forever. Here we are. Well, and can we say about the Mets dumping this right as the All-Star game is started? Of course they did. This is like this is and we have been praising them for how they've handled like injury news and injury updates this year compared to the past. But this reeks of like old Mets shit. This yes. is like exactly the type of stuff the previous regime would have done. Well, wasn't wasn't the game supposed to be today? Yeah, I think it really is just bad timing of it. But yeah. like to wait until after the All-Star game literally starts, like the telecast of the All-Star game. I think that yeah. they probably may have known this earlier in the day. I mean, they knew he was sore and didn't say anything. Yeah, but they I knew think Sunday. Like, yeah, they knew Sunday. But like, I, I'm not sure that they knew that they weren't going to do the sim game today until maybe today. But they probably knew earlier in the day and waited until after the All-Star game broadcast started. And we're like, by the way, while everyone's distracted, Jacob DeGrom's shoulder hurts again. Well, like, 
it, this, the Blue Jays did the same thing when they fired Charlie Montoyo. It was yes. the same day the NHL free agency opened up. So, of course, Canada was distracted by hockey. Yeah. <laughs> I never, th- I didn't think of that, but that's true too. Yeah, I imagine it like, like, throw, like you're trying to Canada. sneak into a house with a guard dog. And so you throw it a steak, like you throw Canada some hockey and just <laughs> in the back entrance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oop, Jeff McNeil's first at bat is happening. Go, Jeffy. Yay. Yeah, by the I way, hope his baby is far away from lots of other people. I doubt it. Oh, he, I doubt it too. In very Mets fashion, he just got hit by the pitch. Yes. <laughs> the most Mets at bat ever happened. <laughs> got hit by a pitch by Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> please cut to Buck Showalter at home. <laughs> cut to Buck Showalter. Where's the Buck cam? We need the Buck cam. <laughs> See, this is where national broadcasts fall short. They couldn't possibly know. Except no. that anyone who is worth anything should know to just always have a camera on Buck Showalter at all times. Yeah, like just he should be case. like zooming or something during the game or live streaming during the game. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I interrupted to talk about Jeff McNeil's at bat, which turned out to be very brief, um, as the national league is up two to nothing in the bottom of the second with McNeil on first base and two outs. Um, we originally before the DeGrom news hit, now we're back to our regularly scheduled programming folks. We were going to do first half reflections, which we will still do, um, I figured we would first talk about, you know, this is not exactly the same as our personal all-stars that we did last week. Um, this is more of our first half MVPs and first half LVPs. Um, and then we're going to talk about like fan graphs odds and the chances that the Mets like do various stages of the playoffs um, and whether we think that like the whether we would take the over or the under on that. And then we're going to talk about uh, needs at the deadline. So as far as first half reflections and MVPs and LVPs, um, Linda, I'm going to put you on the spot first. If you pick one MVP and one LVP, like who you think was the most the most valuable player to the Mets in the first half and who is the least valuable player to the Mets. MVP for sure for me is Edwin Diaz. Um that bullpen is bordering garbage as it is. Without him, it would be hot garbage. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's an average to maybe slightly below average bullpen. The rest of it, the non-Diaz part. Uh, but I think it's just like, you know, it's, it's not good enough for a contending team. And we'll get to that. But no. yes. No, it definitely isn't. So, but Edwin yeah. Diaz has made all the difference. Yeah. And just to, I mean, he's like doing it in stupid fashion too. Like it's just seeing him at the top of his game is, um, is just incredible. Especially the brave series, the opener when it was Scherzer and then him, like both of them said, we're not losing today. Like they took the mound or you guys have no chance and the Braves didn't. And that was probably a big statement. I don't think I've seen, this many like uncompetitive at bats ever yeah. before just like the, the yeah. sheer yes. percentage of of like absolute blowout you know three pitch strikeouts like it's just the like these guys who walk away shaking their heads every single one of them 
making very good major league hitters look completely stupid up there. Like I would love to find out. And I realize this is something I am technically capable of doing, but much too lazy. Um, you know, what I'd love to find out is what the, the percentage of three pitch strikeouts, because I feel like he does it like more than half of his strikeouts. Yeah. 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 Where they legit have no shot at all either. Yeah. Like they can swing all they want and they can't even make contact. Yeah. yeah they're nowhere. And they often don't contact. even do that. Like, I feel oh, like yeah. there are guys up there who are just like waiting for it to be over. Yeah, like, and like go back and i don't say that you know there's no judgment in that that's what i would do it's scary <laughs> all right um lvp um as much as it pains me to say it no i won't go that far <laughs> I, will not, I will never okay. go that far <laughs> I mean, I thought it, but I won't say it. I'll say Dominic Smith instead. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, like, that's. I mean, he's had more. He well, if not for the time in the minors, I he he's had more at bats. He like, has, and he was given the opportunity to in the beginning of the year. Like once Cano was gone, and even when Cano was there, Dom was still getting at bats. Yeah, and I mean. I said this in Slack the other day because he hasn't hit a home run in an, over a year, which is unacceptable from a first baseman. Like, what if he just legit doesn't have the power anymore? Yeah, no, he doesn't look like a major league player. No. And he hasn't really all year. No, yeah. like, what? I mean, we'll talk about uncompetitive at bats, but this yeah. is against everybody. This isn't against Ed, just Edwin. Like, he had a couple, he had, what, that four for four game. And then, like, when he first came back up after the minors, like, he had a couple good games. But now it's just right back to just being completely uncompetitive and overmatched at the plate. Like, he, I don't know if he's just lost or if 2019 was a fluke with the juiced ball or – but, I mean, it's also on the Mets for this being their plan for the DH going into the offseason, going into the season. So it's not totally his fault, but at the same time, he was given an opportunity and he didn't seize it. Yeah. 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 All right, Maggie Wigan, who is your MVP and LVP of the first half? Okay. My MVP is Francisco Lindor, who um, has just been really rock solid. He has had a couple of slumps with the bat, you know, out throughout the year, but also, um, especially in the run environment of this season, like he is well above a league average hitter and he's doing that with absolutely incredible defense, like just not flashy defense at all. And I think that is what kind of makes it go very under the radar. But, like, he gets to everything. There is not a ball hit to that side of the infield that I am even nervous about. Like, it just... And even the ones that do where I'm like, oh, God, he gets those. Like, he just gets to everything. And that is so fantastic to anchor that infield, um, to boost the pitchers big time. Um, And then he's just taking on that real, um, you know on field leadership sort of role and like 
always going in and talking with this guy or that. And that's, you know, I just love to see that from him. Um, and well, yeah, and also doing, doing your may have paths and I think you or may have a certain kind of magic together up the middle too. I could yeah. watch them turn double plays all day long. Yeah, like, well, you are Daniel just like, Murphy and Wilmer Flores. Like, yeah, right. And you may, I mean, also just like is not human. I think that the stuff that he does, like, <laughs> I don't understand that. Um, but like, and again, there's not so much of the like fireworks with Lindor, but just he's just always there. Um, and that's that is very awesome. So Francisco Lindor, A plus. And my LVP was also going to be Dom Smith. Oh, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different uh, direction and say, actually, Tomas Nito, who really has had an extended chance to get in a rhythm and is and is not and has not done it. And his offense is really really rough like as bad really as James McCann's ever has been and his defense has been good but not like can carry a second well no yes it's not about carrying a second pitcher anymore it's about carrying a pitcher like um like it's just really disappointing because I had hoped that giving a given a little time that he might like put something together and you know make things a little easier for the Mets at catcher for the season. And it just has not happened at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's still good behind the plate, but you're getting nothing out of the catcher position offensively. Yeah. And I he is, can... I mean, he is fine. He is fine behind the plate. Like he's, and he, he is a good defensive catcher, but like there's only so far that good defensive catcher can take you. I think you can like, swallow that from your catcher like absolutely no production if you know the Mets get another bat at the deadline and yeah like, the, if, if the, the DH doesn't of, suck things yeah if the DH <laughs> doesn't suck right exactly if the Mets have a, a solid one through eight and then the catcher yeah. is basically like a pitcher hitting better than that but like not by much then mm-hmm. it's pro- then it's fine as long as the defense is there, which it most for the most part it has been for Nito. It's it's just that like now they have black holes at two positions in the lineup, and that's not as sustainable for a team that's trying to win the World Series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw it in the past like couple series when Martin McNeil was out. That lineup craters real fast. Yeah, and you can't. Like, you just can't have that. Like we said, if they want to go far, you can't have multiple black holes in the lineup where you know you're not scoring until at least two more innings. Yeah. Yeah, that's all we want. Um, My um, MVP, since obviously there's kind of an obvious like third player here to mention, so I will take him. My MVP is Pete Alonso. Yay! Yay, He's been, you know, I he hasn't been the Mets most consistent hitter, but he's been the Mets best hitter. Like, let's be real about it. He's been the Mets best hitter. Um, He is leading the, leading the league in RBIs. Like, I don't know how much more you can ask of him. Uh, He's done. He's had just about as monster of a season as you can have. Um, He broke the Mets record for first half RBIs. He sure did. He sure did. Um, Mm -hmm. And he and Lindor have been breaking records for teammates. RBIs. Um, and so he, yeah, I mean, Pete Alonso's just been 
everything that the Mets could have asked for more. And, you know, he's been, we we've talked about this over the past like couple of years, but his defense at first has improved a great deal. And that has been true again this year. He's been solid defensively. Even uh, he even made that fantastic play during the Cubs series, which was like probably the best play I've seen Pete Alonzo make at first base. Um, just the like, football style, like over the shoulder wide receiver catch, like really, really nice play. Um, not easy at all to make that play. Um, and so, you know, just Pete Alonzo is like, you know, one of the faces of the team and he's been, he's been the Mets best hitter period. I will give, um, because I feel like he should be mentioned in this segment. I will give an honorable MVP mention to Brandon Nimmo, um, who I think has been, indispensable to the Mets success this season. And the main reason being that he has knock on all the wood been healthy. And that's been the biggest mm-hmm. difference. Um, you know, if Pete Alonso has been the Mets best hitter, and I think it's hard to argue otherwise, Brandon Nimmo has been the Mets most consistent hitter this season. Brandon yeah. Nimmo, I mean, not to say he's never slumped. He slumps sometimes, but Brandon Nimmo is not a player that is prone to pro- prolonged slumps the way that Pete Alonso can be. Um, and the way that many sluggers of Pete Alonso's ilk are, they just like swing really hard and miss when they're off. <laughs> Whereas Brandon Nimmo is not that type of player. Um, he's a He player- walks his way out of a slump. Exactly. Yeah. Even when he, even when he's not making solid contact, he's always working counts. He's always taking his walk. Um, and you know, all those Pete Alonzo RBIs that he's racking up, how many of those are Brandon Nimmo crossing the plate? A fair number of them. He leads the team in runs scored, I believe. Um, and yeah, just, I think he deserves an honorable mention here. Um, so that, that, that is my MVP is Pete Alonzo with an honorable mention to Brandon Nimmo. Um, my LVP, I, I I was also going to go with Dominic Smith. I think when it comes to like, (laughs) when it comes to expectations minus reality, I think that he is the pretty, pretty much the consensus LVP of the first half, sadly. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, instead, since he's been talked about already, I will go with Robinson Cano as my LVP first half. Um, he was cut. (laughs) He was so bad. Um, and it was the right decision to do so. Um, and now he's on the Atlanta Braves and played against the Mets and got a couple hits against them. Luckily, none of them like the back breaking hit that we were waiting for. Um, well, that was after the Padres cut him. So he's been cut twice so far. Yeah, he's been cut twice. Um, he's just I mean, like, I know he still gets his singles and he's been doing that for the Braves. And he's been and he you know, it's not that it's not that his promotion to the Braves, even though they the timing of it was clearly trolling. It's not like it was without merit. He was hitting three thirty three and triple a or something like that but it's all singles he's just like pulling the ball and like doing seeing eye singles basically that's like his that's all he can do now he's completely devoid of power at this point like he's just a shell of the legendary player that he was and for the Mets he didn't do anything and you know he was he like I never I'm never one to use the salary against them especially in the Steve Cohen era because it really doesn't matter anymore, but you know, he was supposed to be not, I don't think that the Mets were counting on him to be like, you know, Pete Alonzo level contributor here, but you know, he was considered an important part of this team heading into the season. He was, he batted. When did he, where did he bat on opening day in the lineup? It was like fifth yeah, or yeah. something. So like, you know, that was what the Mets were thinking that he was going to be like, at least, you know, like maybe what Eduardo Escobar has done 
kind of. I think that the Mets were at least hoping for something like that, where he was playable and he was just basically like unrosterable, unrosterable to the point where they chose not to roster him. And he's no longer rostered. And others have made the same choice. Like the Mets made a whole team out of DHs and now don't have a DH. Yep. Yep. Uh, um, all there is, I mean, the DH as, as a position, as a collective position has been the biggest LVP of this season. I see. Yes. I want, I want to feel vindicated for a second because everybody's like, oh, the Mets will benefit the most from this because they have a team full of DHs and look at what happened. <laughs> we had a team full of DHs like three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the other thing that the Mets always do is everything three years late. Yep. <laughs> yep. I suppose um, in this case, it was three years early. So congratulations, Mets. You still suck at DH. Yep. <laughs> that said, even though DH is a huge problem, catcher has been a huge problem. Um, the bullpen has been a problem. We'll get to that in a little bit. We'll get to yes, addressing I, those I, holes. Can I give a an honorary as well? Yes, go for it. I'm sorry, Allison. Seth Lugo. Yeah, oh, he's been pretty good. I consider Seth Lugo too. Real bad real and like i still sort of hope he puts it together but i totally am not expecting that to happen so just sort of sucks yeah he might be cooked we'll see it's been especially lately like he's thrown a hundred million pitches for the new york mets it would not be surprising to me if that was just about all he had left The Mets have a rotation of, uh, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. The Mets have a rotation of sixth, seventh inning guys that they're trying to make eighth inning guys, which is why they need eighth inning guys, which we will get to. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we get to addressing those gaps that we've talked about, um, the Mets are still, despite those flaws a very good baseball team yeah the Mets are good <laughs> Mets are good they are a good baseball team they are 23 games over 500 20 how many games over 500 are they a lot um and it's the high water mark for the season too like they have the best they they have the best record that they have had at any point in the season and the best record that they've had at this point since 2006 they are a good baseball team so I figured it, it would be a good time to Look at the, as we stand at the halfway point of the season, look at the fan graphs odds for playoff odds for the Mets and see if we on the podcast would go over under on each of these numbers. Is this sponsored by DraftKings? Sponsored by DraftKings. <laughs> um, no, it's not. No one's, please no one bet on this. It was a joke. Don't it was bet a joke. on it's sports. Clear. It's, it's, 
That's a terrible way to spend your money. It really is. Thank you. Um, Although, did you see what Tony Clark said today? No. About sports Um, betting? Yeah. Somebody asked him if he was concerned about how prevalent sports betting is or how or if he's concerned about how it's going since the nationals added it to their stadium and stuff. And he was like, um, I'm not concerned about the future. I'm concerned about it now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He's not lying. It's not great. No. Like, yeah, it's already here, but the nationals have a betting place in the stadium. Yep. They do. Um, Anyway, this is not a sports betting exercise. No, this no, is no, a, no. a fun thought <laughs> exercise. Um, but currently, these are the odds by Fangrass for each of these things. So the first thing is the odds that the Mets make the playoffs, like at all. Fangrass currently has that at 99.5%. <laughs> so do we take the over or the under? There's not much over territory there. I guess, I guess in this case, we can say, like, do we agree that it's a near guarantee, or are we less certain than that? Linda, you go first. I would say yes, because at least even if something kind of, if the Braves pass them, they're still in pretty good shape for the wild card. Yeah. So I think either way, they're probably in. Maggie, do you agree? I think Mets fans' entire existence occurs in the space between 99 and 0.5%. I feel like <laughs> there's just that, like, that black hole where Mets fans go to die. Um, I think that's probably about right. It, it, if anyone's could screw it up, it's probably the Mets, but also <laughs> like if this was the playoff formula in 2007, 2008, the Mets make it very easily. And then anything is possible. Now it would be hella disappointing after all that has come so far this season to not come out with the division. I really want the division, but like, yes, I think 99.5% that 0.5 is just about where I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am with you both. I think that, you know, there, even, even with this DeGrom doom, even with the feelings of like, will the Braves ever lose another goddamn game ever again? This is so annoying. Oh my Mets- God. I hate it. The Mets are a playoff team, period. Like the chances that they don't make the playoffs are very minuscule now, obviously. 0.5%. 0. 0.5%. 0. <laughs> and ca- catastrophe has struck the Mets many times in our lifetimes. But I think it would have to be something biblical. <laughs> if we have to beat those odds, it could be the Mets. Yes. But we do take, believe in you, Mats. It would take a biblical event for the Mets not to make the playoffs. So I think 99.5% is about right. Okay. Uh, Maggie brought up the division. Um, so the Fangraphs currently has the chances that the Mets win the division at 63.8%. Are we more confident than that or less confident than that? Linda? I mean... They do have the more favorable schedule coming down the stretch, but I'm always going to be a pessimistic Mets fan, so I'm going to take the under. Maggie, what are you taking? Um, Over, under, or or just about right on that those odds? Honestly, I would say just about right. Um, you know, I think the Mets are... I think the teams are very, very evenly matched in a lot of ways. And so I would almost just like give the tiebreaker to the team that already is in first place. So, 
Yeah, I would say. I would say about that. Yeah. In the like 60% range. Yep. I'm with you. I'm I'm going with Fangraphs is about right on this one. Um, the Mets have uh, the Mets are currently leading, which which puts them above 50 50 um, odds. Uh, but it's not by a lot. It's by two and a half games. Now, like Linda said, the Mets have the easier schedule. So that does also give them a little bit of a bump above 50, 50 here. Um, and I would have said Jacob deGrom is coming back. So that helps too. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I feel like I, I think I honestly, I was prepared to go the over on this until we got the DeGrom news. And now I'm kind of like holding, (laughs) holding steady at 63.8 because now I'm like, well, you know, it's status quo. Like the roster is what it is. Like, the, like, you know, obviously I think that they are going to improve in trade, but so are the Braves. Like I'm not, I'm not pretending the Braves are standing pat at the deadline. They are going to also improve. So, but the Mets had the ace in the hole in Jacob DeGrom. There was no way that the Braves were going to be able to make that level of improvement to their roster. So I was like, you know, I was prepared to go to the over on this one, but now that I'm scared about DeGrom again, mm-hmm. I'm going with that's about right. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's going to come down to their head-to-head matchups because yep. we still have so many games left. Absolutely, and the Mets, the heading into the heading into the break, the Mets had a good showing against the Braves. Took two out of three. I mean, if you if you buy into momentum, they got it. Yeah. So, and if you don't buy into momentum, then not relevant. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> I would say it was in Atlanta too, which it was in Atlanta. Yes. Which, yes, given the brumettes of the past, that could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. It could have, but it did not, luckily. Maybe the, that died with Turner Field. I hope so. I God, hope I hated so, too. that place. Um, so the next um, the next odds uh, that we've got here are the, the odds that the Mets get a buy in the first round of the playoffs, meaning that they either have, they're either the one seed or the two seed, meaning they either have the first or second best record in the national league. Um, those odds are uh, according to fan 62.6%, which makes sense relative to the other odds. Because if you think about it, like if they have the, the buy, they probably won the division because like, otherwise the Braves have a better record than them. Um, and the Dodgers are likely to have a better record than them at this point because the Dodgers currently have a better record than them. So it makes sense that the division odds and the buy in the first round odds are close to each other. They're not identical yeah. because obviously, yeah. you know, there's there's that like weird one percent in there where they like the, well, like I have I, I don't ex- I have trouble thinking that the NL Central team will be better than the Mets. But it's yeah. not impossible. You know, that that's where that one percent difference yeah, comes from. It, that's that's the scenario there where just like the cards go on a run or whatever, and the Braves eke out over the Mets. And yeah. Yeah. So um what do we think of that, Linda? Sixty two point six percent. See, I'm a little low. more confident in that um than I am with because if they win the division. I, the Padres are playing horribly right now, but yes. the the Dodgers are in a much tougher division. Yeah. So the chances of them, like they have a better chance. Of, well, the Mets are in a good division too. Well, I don't know. The Phillies have been hot and cold. The Nationals are just an embarrassment. Nationals are a disgrace, yes. And they, 
the the West doesn't have any team like that. Like the Diamondbacks got a little the Diamondbacks better. Were that? But yeah, they're but much then, better now. Yeah, but then they started playing a lot better. So I think the Dodgers have a better chance at losing more than the Mets, just based on the division they're in. So I'm going to take the over on that. Fair enough. How about you, Maggie, over or under? Um, I, I would say it seems about right to me. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh-huh. About right. Odds of winning up on that one. Odds of winning the division about the same. To me, if they don't win the division, they don't have the second best record. I think that yeah. I, I'm less confident. I, I am I am more confident in the Dodgers than Linda is. <laughs> I would say I'm 100 confident that those. Okay, 99 confident that those will overlap completely. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Um. So then we have the the final set of odds, which is that the odds that the Mets win the World Series. Fangraphs has those odds at 14.7%, which by the way, um, for, for reference, the Braves odds of winning the world series are like 12 point something percent. I don't remember the exact, but, um, so the Mets have a 14.7% chance. Um, and I, I'm going to look up what the Dodgers are because I'm curious, like what, what I, mean, like- I would take that chance. Like, yes, right now. Okay. A plus. I agree to accept that percentage chance of the Mets winning. That sounds, that sounds very nice. The Dodgers chances of winning the world series are 16.4% and they have the highest, they have the highest chance of like anybody, not just in the national league in baseball, the Mets actually have the second best odds besides that. So the Dodgers have a 16.4% chance. The Mets have a 14.4% chance. And then the next highest is the Yankees at, 14.2%. 14.2%. So almost the same odds as the Mets. So outside of 2016, when the Mets make the playoffs, they usually like make the most of it. They usually go pretty far whenever, whenever they make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've ever been eliminated in the NLBS. So I would probably that those odds probably sound about right. They have they'll go far, but I don't know if I would say winning the World Series. Mm. Um, but it also depends on what moves they make. It's hard to judge. It is hard to judge. Right I now. mean, this is all based on how the yeah. teams are right now, obviously. And then, and I think it's based on like strength of like these other things about like winning the division, like the projected like standings, like they're based on like strength of schedule and the current rosters and all that stuff. Yeah. So we don't know what improvements I'll make. We still don't know what's going on with Jake. So I'll just, I'll say it's about right. How about you, Maggie? Um, I feel like in my heart, I think it's a little bit lower, but that's also because when, you set this up and I took a look at it. I was like very pleasantly surprised and like, I don't trust that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. So that's my feeling just like on pure gut, I'm saying 10%. I'm going, yeah, I'm going the under on the 14.7 of the world series. I not because I don't think that the Mets are capable of it. Um, I just, I don't know. Like I look at their potential matchups and like if they make it to the world series, I feel pretty good about their ability to make it to the world series, but I look at the potential teams they will face in the world series. And I just don't feel like they got their asses kicked by the Astros. Twice. Yeah, if they face the Astros, it's done. Yes, like, they're but, done. But, 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 but 
that same thing happened with the Cubs. That's true. So that's yeah. what I tell myself. That's if the Astros are the 2015 Cubs. You're right. You're yeah. right. It's possible. It's it is possible. Hey, you get in. Anything's possible. And, you know, the Mets have not faced the Yankees yet in the regular season and we'll see what happens there. But I just like I don't feel good about that either. And I just like, yeah. oh, my God, God, I can't. My heart cannot deal with a subway series. I can't do it. I no, can't. I'm no. too old for it. I'm I'm not, you know, I could have a stroke or something. It's not good. I don't have the cholesterol to be out here. <laughs> no, with, with I don't a subway series. No. Um. All right. So. That's that's for everyone's information. Those are the current fan graphs odds. And I think that for the most part, they're pretty spot on. Um, but in order to reach the promised land of the playoffs and potentially a World Series, the Mets are going to need to improve their team. As we mentioned, uh, they have very specific and fixable flaws <laughs> <laughs> uh, that they can uh, get some uh, the ways. Yep. Uh, so I, I've listed in my show notes, some, uh, potential specific targets for the Mets at the deadline. We've been talking for weeks now about like their needs. We, their needs are fairly obvious. They need another bat and they need probably two bullpen arms. They need at least one, if not two bullpen arms. Um, and those are like, you know, kind of, that's kind of like the minimum of what they need to do. Um, but, uh, but this week we can talk about some specific targets, um, I kind of went from like, I don't know, like most obvious fit to least obvious fit or like, you know, guys that have been talked about the most, um, I starting with Wilson Contreras, just because, um, he's a catcher in addition to being a, being the bat, the D, potential DH bat, that the Mets need, he can also catch. And the Mets are currently short one catcher in James McCann still be uh, being injured for a second time. Um, so that would push like Patrick Mazika off the roster entirely and would push, you know, Tomas Nito into, I wouldn't say necessarily say a backup role because I think Contreras would DH a lot, but you know, at least like a, like a timeshare situation at catcher. Um, that said, the reason why I don't think it's necessarily likely that the Mets will acquire Contreras, even though it's a very good like fit for them, is because I think that he would cost more than the Mets are willing to trade at this point because the Mets have expressed some unwillingness to part with um, top prospects, Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty specifically, um, understandably so because their farm is very top heavy and they can't really afford to like keep emptying it out at that high level. Um, but who knows? Maybe, maybe they will. Um, so that's kind of what I thought about this. Uh, Sarah Sanchez and I actually talked about this on cup of cubby blue this week. So you should check that out. But I mean, I think if the Mets are not willing to make, to, to shell out what it's going to cost for Wilson Contreras, then like, what are you doing? Like, it was just not to say that Contreras is, or should be cheap by any means, but like, you know, unless they're going around asking for something really outlandish, I mean, that's probably one of the better upgrades you're going to find. And the Mets should just do that, you know, yeah. or, or Josh Bell or like whatever, you know, but the, like, I would really hope that if it didn't come together, it would be more about like a mismatch of, of needs, which is where I think they'll be undone by on the Juan Soto situation. But like, I don't know, I please do not like, do not turn around Mets and tell me that Wilson Contreras was too expensive to win the world series. Like, come on. 
I know, but I think that that might end up coming to pass. And I think that Contreras is going to be more expensive in trade than Josh Bell or Trey Mancini, to be perfectly honest, because he catches. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's fair. That's such a rarity. Think about like, I am hard pressed to remember the last time a catcher like moved mid season, like a, like a starting catcher. Like it's hard to think of. Was there Ray Muto? Was he traded mid season? I thought he was. Oh no. Uh, what's his name? Um, Wilson Ramos, the Phillies traded for him. Yeah. Yeah. Before the Mets signed him. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, and Contreras is a better player than Wilson Ramos was even then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just think that because of the his ability to play catcher and the fact that he's like one of the few good hitting catchers left in the league, in Which addition to being is like, why you don't trade too many catchers, because in general, you're just not going to be moving the needle that much. But he is the exception where you do move the needle. Right. And he, I mean, he's a three time all star like and there is I mean, I'm not saying that this will necessarily factor into the Cubs front office plans because Lord knows that the Cubs front office has like fully committed to like tearing out the hearts of Cubs fans. Um, but he is unlike Josh Bell, for example, Wilson Contreras is a franchise player for the Cubs like he you know, he's been with the Cubs his entire career. Um, you know, this is, this is like a Wilmer Flores crying in the club <laughs> by crying in the club. I mean, crying on the field situation like, <laughs> with the Cubs since he was 16. And so this yeah. is a, this is a franchise catcher, three-time all-star. Like this is not, I, he's by far, I think as far as like, you know, DH bats that fit the Mets, he is the most expensive one besides literally Juan Soto, which we'll get to in a minute, but like. That's he, he's the high end of the market. Here. But like, what if you package him with like David Robertson? That yeah, that's some I I put so David Robertson, excellent transition. Yeah, David Robertson <laughs> is, the next, See what I did there? <laughs> is the next player on the list here who is also on the Cubs. Um, and he is, you know, a potential fit, a fit for the Mets like setup role. I think that the Mets, I think that he, he by himself without Contreras would not be very expensive to acquire. Um, like a lot of these relievers, you know, the relievers are, you know, somewhat fungible and not as expensive to acquire. Um, so I could see that as more of a, like more feasible for the Mets because they wouldn't have to part with like Beatty or Alvarez, but they could in order to like, you know, sweeten the pot, get both players. And then maybe they'd have to part with like a Beatty or Alvarez, but they get both those players and okay, they fill both their needs. Pearl, go for go, go get both of them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's an obvious, that's an obvious fit for the Mets would be a Contreras Robertson package who knows if it comes together, but that would instantly upgrade the Mets in a big way. Hire Allison for the front office. Yeah. You never yeah, right? get drunk in white plains. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I mean, I, again, I don't think the Cubs are going to give away Contreras for free. He's a very good player. Um, what if we asked nicely? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what if we said, please, how could they say Can no? Please? Um, <laughs> but if, if that like sort of package deal does not come together, there are alternative plans where they could look to fill their bat hole and bullpen hole separately. Um, the tigers have surplus bullpen arms, uh, to deal. Um, Andrew Chafin is one of them. Gregory Soto is another one. Um, Andrew Chafin is someone who the Mets should have signed in the off season, but then they might literally trade for Andrew Chafin instead, <laughs> which fine, whatever I can let bygones be bygones on that front. <laughs> if he ends up on the Mets, 
Um, so, you know, those are two arms that could potentially be dealt to the Mets. Um, the Tigers obviously are bad um, and they could use some prospects because I think that their farm system is not very well regarded. They're um, bad, top to bottom. So, and then alternatives to the DH bat, neither of these guys are obviously catchers. That's the bonus that Contreras provides, but they do fill that DH spot and would mean less Dominic Smith at bats. Um, We've got Trey Mancini of the Orioles, who's been a favorite target of many at Amazing Avenue, including me, (laughs) um, for for Birdland reasons. (laughs) Um, He's a perfect fit for the roster. He's a great guy. He's a really fun player to root for. I would be so happy if the Mets got Trey Mancini. But the complicating factor is that the Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles, I repeat, <laughs> the Baltimore Orioles find themselves in the AL wildcard race at this time. They are like two and a half games back of the third wildcard slot at an even 500 for the season, which I think absolutely no one expected at this stage. Um, they had to do like a 10 game winning streak to get that to happen, but they're playing good baseball right now. And so they might decide that they don't want to trade Trey Mancini anymore. Um we shall see. I don't know. I don't know what the Orioles front office is thinking here. Um, I think that they, I think that like, you know, they hired a bunch of Astros guys who are, you know, full blown, like Moneyball tank philosophy. Um, and I don't know if they think that like, it's worth it, like to go for it when they are clearly not, they, they, they clearly are competing against these, these big behemoth teams and like, is it worth it to really just get bounced in the first round? And then you let Trey Mancini walk for nothing. I don't know. No, probably the, probably the next couple of weeks of the all-star break, we'll probably tell them if the yeah. Orioles start losing again, the decision will be made for them. Yeah. I think Mancini is very up in the air. I think that like of these guys that we're talking about, like he's the only one who their decision to deal him will be based on how they play for the next two weeks. Those other, the other guys are gone regardless of how the team does that they play for. Um, that brings us to Josh Bell, who we talked about a little bit. Um, he's also a good fit at DH and he's a switch hitter, which is really valuable. Um, and he's having a damn good season for the Washington nationals. Just about the only one besides. I would say. <laughs> Um, I mean, we can throw an honorable mention uh, to Nelson Cruz as well, um, who is who only DHs, only DHs, um, literally cannot play the field, whereas Josh Bell can at least play first base a little bit Um, and would basically replace Dominic Smith on the roster. I imagine if Josh Bell gets uh, ends up on the Mets, that Dominic Smith's roster would not be long for the roster. Um, Well, I think that goes for a lot of these for anybody. Yeah, (laughs) that is that is who they are shopping for yeah they're shopping for a literal upgrade on dominic smith um I like a little higher than nelson cruz so yeah nelson cruz i mean he he dhs he has a long track record of being good at dhing this season has not been his best season uh and he is old <laughs> and yes. potentially washed but that said he got off to a really really slow start and has played a lot better since then but it makes his overall numbers still look pretty poor um but he's not been like great he's still like him him picking it up has just been like him being okay instead of him being horrible i think that the the mets can get a better hitter than that and josh bell would be a better hitter than that um the question is is that 
where whereas the question with Trey Mancini is, or are the Orioles willing to deal him given their position in the standings? Um, the question with Josh Bell is, are the Nationals willing to deal him in division, or will that like? I think they're I mean, willing to. Idiots to not. This is you know this is not Juan Soto where like potentially um, they could be playing you know, him on the Mets for, you know, in years that count, like Josh Bell is a rental, correct? Yes. Yes. So like, I don't know if the, if the Nats wouldn't in division trade Josh Bell, then like bless, they need the help more than we do. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And they're so bad. Like they should just take whatever they could get for anybody. Really awfully bad. Yeah. I do just wonder, though, like, because I don't think, you know, the Mets are not going to be the only suitors for Josh Bell. I just wonder. I don't think that they're unwilling to trade him in division. That would be silly. I just wonder if, like, they're going to if there's two equivalent packages on the table and one is the Mets and one is some other team, if they're going to go with some other team so that he's not in the division. But he doesn't it's not again, like Maggie said, it's not Juan Soto and he doesn't have like the sentimental value to the franchise that Juan Soto has. It's not like it's like, oh, like this perennial national Josh Bell is now on the the opposition. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure they care about that, but maybe Mike Rizzo does. I don't know. Um, So. Well, and they also did mention CJ Crone today, too. That's an interesting bit, too. That would be, you know, very similar to these other guys that we're talking about, a first base DH type. But, That's what they need. But you have to worry about cores. I know it's overblown. It was and a like, good hitter before cores. Yeah. And like LeMayu has been fine and Arenado has been fine. But a lot of the, a lot of the, Coors effect is really that playing every day in cores makes it hard to go elsewhere. Oh uh, yeah. So that is like, yes. You know, Matt Holiday did not forget how to hit when he went to St. Louis. Yeah. Um, so didn't he make the all-star team too? Is he the Rockies representative? CJ Cron, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, he did. He's an all-star, which I don't know. I guess like maybe ups his price like ever so slightly because you know how like at least this was like a, a a previous regime Mets thing like they how they always were like we are acquiring all star you know yeah. <laughs> former all star. Um, the Rockies front office is also a hot mess. Like they paid the Cardinals to take Arenado, so I feel like you can maybe get a deal with the Rockies. The Rockies are the weirdest front office in baseball, and I don't understand anything that they do. So I really cannot like uh, p- predicting their behavior is a fo- is a fool's errand. <laughs> I, I have no idea what the Rockies are ever thinking at any given time. And I don't even know what like what they would even ask for. Like, where do you start when you're the Rockies? Like, pitching is always going to be a crapshoot. So I don't know. Like, would they want the Mets top prospects for Chrome? I don't know. Oh. Unclear. Um, or could you get him for like a Mauricio? I think that you could. Yeah. I think that you could. Um so less kind of less likely than a um a bat like a first base dh type bat and bullpen help um is 
acquiring another starting pitcher. Although if this DeGrom stuff continues to go (laughs) south, maybe then they do like pivot hard toward trying to get a starting pitcher. Um, The, uh, the uh, po- possibilities there um, include uh, Frankie Montes of the A's, Luis Castillo of the Reds, um, Tyler Molly also of the Reds, although he is unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. So the likelihood that the Mets acquire him is low. Um, we know that because he was one of the players that went on the restricted list when they played the Blue Jays, along with half the Royals roster, which is something that like I don't even have time to get into, but... <laughs> That was nuts. Ten players. What a disgrace. Um, But yeah, so the Mets might pivot towards starting pitching, um, but Montes and Castillo would be pretty expensive also in trade, I think, um, because they're very good pitchers. (laughs) I would probably say if I had a choice, I would probably go Castillo. Yeah. But again, that's probably going to cost you more. Yeah. Um, but at least worth mentioning that that's something that's probably still on the table for the Mets potentially. Um, one last person to mention, uh, who is available in trade that until, you know, like 48 hours ago was not a factor in, in trade is, uh, literally Juan Soto, um, (laughs) literally Juan Soto. So in a completely unprecedented situation, um, the, Nationals did not manage to lock Juan Soto down. He turned down a $440 million contract extension with the Nationals that would have lasted 15 years, which is, is you know, obviously a very large contract, but it, it's pretty low on the average annual value. They went with like more years for less money. It was um, under 30. Yep. Which uh, is what they did with Scherzer too, right? Yes. Um, and while none of the money was deferred, which would have been a very nationals move, a lot of it was it was like heavily, heavily backloaded. Um, so Soto turned that contract down. Um, and so therefore, the nationals sort of indicated that they are going they're not they're going to trade him now, uh, which I can't. This is a completely unprecedented situation. A player of this caliber, a superstar player of this caliber at age 23 has really never been available in trade. I mean, obviously you've you've done, there's been like, you know, the Mookie Betts trade and the Francisco Lindor trade with the like trade for a superstar and extend. But both of those players were older than Soto. Significantly, significantly older. older. <laughs> like there were prospects just drafted who are older than Juan Soto. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is like absolutely nuts. Um, obviously, any package that would net Juan Soto has to be like the biggest blockbuster trade package of all time. I am not going to pretend to have the expertise to know like what exactly what package it would take. I know that it would take like you know, people are talking about, oh, like Alvarez, Beatty, Mauricio, Viento, like all those guys, all of them, not just like pick three, like all of them, all of the Mets, like top five or six prospects, plus other things lower in the system, like all of it. It takes <laughs> all of it. Whatever you're thinking it takes, it takes two more guys. <laughs> um, you just keep adding people. <laughs> that's but it. But it also like, I mean, that's what makes it so, ins- so insane from the national side is that 
all of that. And it's still not enough. It's still not enough. The actual enough price is truly a price that no one can pay. No. Right. Like this is a perennial MVP candidate. Yes. Yes, it is. And if, and there are maybe like, and you know, like I said, I don't have the expertise to know that like the exact package that it would take, but I do have the level of expertise to be able to tell you that as far as like teams that have the prospects and teams that are like, it's a combination of two things to be a team that would be in contention to get Juan Soda. You have to have the package of prospects and you have to be willing to trade those prospects and you have to have the, the financial capital to potentially extend Soto after you trade for him. There are maybe four, five teams in baseball that meet those conditions. The Mets are one of them. Well, then there's also talk of taking on like Corbin or Strasburg. Yes. That's been discussed. Um, I mean, not been discussed by teams. I don't know what teams are discussing, but that's been discussed amongst baseball media um, and the internet more broadly. Um, Yeah. I mean, it, whatever it takes, the Mets should do it, period. I, like, I, I know that, like, it's, I know that Francisco Alvarez is, like, a consensus, like, top three prospect in baseball. Um, I know that Mets value him very highly. I know that Mets fans value him very highly. I'm personally looking forward to seeing but him as the Mets catcher of the future. Juan Soto. Yeah. It is literally Juan Soto. You can Soto. live with Tomas Nito if Juan Soto is in your lineup. You Juan do, Soto will cover up a lot of Nitos. Yeah. do whatever it takes. You trade whoever they ask for, and then you pay Juan Soto however much money he wants to stay on the Mets for the rest of his career. Like, your outfield would be Soto, Marte, and Nimmo, and Canna becomes your depth. Like, yeah, Canna is fantastic. He's really good. Yeah. So, like, it just it completely changes the entire complexion of the entire team. Yes, it really does. It, it changes everything. Like, obviously, you know, the Mets need a, a bat upgrade. This is, like, massive upgrade makes them like instant world series favorites, regardless <laughs> of what is happening with DeGrom yeah, or anybody else. Go shoots way up. Yeah, way up instant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's the perfect fit for the roster in addition to everything else. I mean, regardless of whether Juan Soto is the right fit for your, he's the right fit for everyone's roster, but especially the Mets, um, you do whatever it takes. And, you know, it obviously the like amount of money it would take to extend him would send Steve Cohen, like way past the Cohen tax. Who cares? He, he, <laughs> What's he the point of having of a tax it. named after you if you're not going to blow past it? Yeah, exactly. You pay whatever penalties it takes. You you trade whatever prospects it takes. You do whatever it takes to get Juan Soto. This is like a once in a generation opportunity to get a player this good. He's 23. And he's so good. And he's so good. He just won the home run derby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and shout out to Marte and Diaz for tampering. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For doing like for doing a a recon on getting Juan Soto on the Mets. Being our sleeper agent. (laughs) Being like being part of the Soto hype squad in the home run derby. Yes. Because they would also do anything to have Juan Soto on their baseball team. Yes. Well, there absolutely. was, I don't know if this is true or not, but somebody did tweet that Soto and Marte are cousins. Really? I yeah. mean, are they Soto's father are they cousins or are they brothers cousins? with Marte's mom? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
All I saw was the tweet about how they like grew up playing video games together. But I just thought that's because like they were, you know, they knew each other through like baseball things. But like I said, I'm not 100 percent sure, because like I said, it's a thing on Twitter. So yeah, it wasn't from a verified say? source. But well, I mean, they, they like do. Also, cousin can mean a whole host of different things. Yes, it can. They do you know, go they way have back. The specifics that Soto's father is the brother of Marte's mom. Oh, well, that'll do it then. They do go way back, regardless of whether the familial connection is actually true. Good Um, for them. Yeah. Leverage that. So, yeah, I mean, literally Juan Soto. Holy crap. Um, And I mean, obviously, we've kind of hinted at this, but the fact that even though like I am very excited about this from a Mets perspective, because like I hope that the Mets can get him, even if it's like unlikely, it's fun to hope for it. Um, But it's worth noting that the fact that Soto is even available in trade is absolutely shameful on the part of the Washington yeah. nationals. Like they Woof, should be ashamed guys. of themselves. It's bad Woof. for baseball. Um, and yeah, feel bad about it. <laughs> well, especially after they didn't keep Harper and now they're doing this again. It's about to be a dark era for baseball in the district of Columbia, where I reside. <laughs> And it's a, I find it hilarious because I hate the Nats, but at the same time, like for baseball as a whole, this shouldn't be happening. Yeah, it's I about even, to be. Even I don't hate them enough for this. It's about to be very easy to get national tickets. It was already easy, but it's going to be like so cheap now. Oof, for so many years, oof, it's going to be good for my wallet. Yeah, anytime the Mets are in town, you probably just walk up and get tickets. Uh, yeah, I plan on doing that. Uh, the the first week of it, of, of August. <laughs> <laughs> plan on going to multiple of those games and well, so. you'll see still see Juan Soto maybe <laughs> I will maybe well the so the the very fascinating thing is that the trading deadline occurs during the Mets Nats series Ooh, that is fun so the trading Intrigue. deadline is August 1st 2nd whatever it is um and the Mets the Mets and the Nationals will be playing each other so we could see a hug watch live uh, for, and then walk across the, the, the field, <laughs> literally, literally to save on airfare because, you know, they didn't that even give Juan Soto his own that. plane <laughs> to the all star game. He had to fly like on his own to the all. He had to take like a regular commercial airline oh my God. There, like, two in the morning. Yeah, he he arrived at the home run derby at 1.30, arrived in L.A. for the home run derby, 1.30 in the morning, the night before, slash the oh, morning shit. of, and <laughs> still won the guy. Literally, literally, literally. Juan Soto. Didn't, the Nationals didn't even charter him a plane. So I have a feeling if they trade him or Josh Bell, they won't bother to charter them a plane to their next place of destination either. So maybe the, they'll just be like, oh, we'll trade you to the Mets. They're right across the way. You can just like walk over to their clubhouse. Save yeah, a ton of money. That's having their favorite. Nobody else does it. They're playing them at the deadline. Yeah. What if the Mets say, we'll give you five prospects, but two of them will give you in seven years. <laughs> <laughs> Deferred prospects. Player to be named much later. Much, Although much. I saw one angry Nationals fan tweeting, well, if you trade Soto, it's going to cost you Scherzer and DeGrom, which that's a Wait. horrible trade for you, Nationals. But no, if, it's not. Would that it doesn't make any sense paying, at all. Would that mean the Nationals are paying Scherzer twice, their original contract and then the Mets contract? Oh, yeah. The whole point of of doing that is to not 
like take on money. They there's yeah. no, it's <laughs> not going to cost Degrom and Scherzer. Heard. No, you do no. not want Degrom and Scherzer because then Degrom's opting out and you have nothing, <laughs> and you're paying Scherzer twice. Right. No. And people like I've been, you know, because this this news has happened and Mets fans are and other fans, too, are understandably very excited and instantly want to put together their own trade packages. We are going to be seeing ridiculous trade packages for the next, you know, however long. I am not going to participate in that discourse because I am self-aware enough to know I'm not smart enough to put together an accurate trade package. Um, but I am smart enough to laugh at other people's trade packages that they put together, one of which included Jeff McNeil in it. And I'm just like, you fundamentally misunderstand the Nationals angle here. <laughs> if you think that they are going to if they think if you think they want Jeff McNeil, I understand that Jeff McNeil is cheap, but he's like almost a free agent. You, that's not the type of dudes the Mets are trading Juan Soto, the Nats are trading Juan Soto for. Come what on, if guys. we were just as bad? What if we were worse now, but didn't get better later? It's <laughs> <is> basically <laughs> what they're going for. Yeah. Like these, uh, the nationals are looking for top prospects or like dudes who are in the major leagues, but are young and very good and very far from free agency. Think Julio Rodriguez. Those type of dudes, that's what the Nationals are looking for. I mean, I think and the, I think this just highlights why it's going to be so hard to find anybody. But like Pete Alonzo is going to be the kind of guy that they're looking for. Yeah, Maybe like Pete Alonzo, Pete Alonzo might even be too close so to free ago. agency. Yeah, yeah. Pete Alonzo a year ago. Which is but why it's always also like going to be hard to find because anybody with the kind of player who can get Juan Soto also really wants to have that kind of player that can right. get Juan Soto. Right. Like, you know, that like, again, Julio Rodriguez is the type of player that they would, that would be the cornerstone of a theoretical deal for Juan Soto. But are the Mariners also in sort of a rebuilding situation going to trade Julio Rodriguez for Juan Soto? No, they're not. <laughs> so it, it goes into, again, the very specific conditions need to be met. They have to have the the package of players that would be right for the deal, which not every team has, but they, and they also have to be at a stage of their contention cycle, meaning they're, they're built. The team is built to win now that wants to trade those, that package and has to be a team that has the financial wherewithal to potentially extend. So again, that's like the Mets, the Yankees, maybe the Dodgers, maybe the Padres, maybe, maybe the Cardinals. There's like three or four teams that are realistic here. Well, um, Nationals hold all the cards. They like they do. And they, they don't, don't have to trade the them package, at all. Yeah, they could might not trade them at all. They still have them for another couple of years. I think the likelihood that he gets dealt like at this deadline is like 50-50, maybe even a little lower than that. I think the likelihood that he gets dealt in the off season is pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, and then you might have more teams interested in the offseason that you wouldn't now. Yeah. Because then you have more players becoming free agents and money getting off the off the books. So I don't know. It, it'll be it'll be an intriguing next couple of weeks and probably any endless speculation. It will be. It will be very fun. Um so this has been in addition to the Juan Soto like bomb, this has been like a very like news heavy week in baseball. Um, 
there there's been a few like league wide developments, um, even just in the past like 24 hours, um, especially with the like media availability around the All Star Game. So like Rob Manfred talked to the media uh, today, and every time Rob Manfred talks to the media, he says something incredibly stupid, and this was no <laughs> exception. Um, so he was asked by uh, one reporter asked Manfred, I think it was Hannah Kaiser actually asked Manfred if. Um, if team owners can't afford to pay minor leaguers a living wage or simply prefer not to. And Manfred had an issue with the framing of that question and said, quote, I kind of reject the premise of the question that minor leaguers are not paid a living wage. Oh, <laughs> okay. When they literally just had to settle a lawsuit about minor leaguers not being paid. Well, oh, it's a shame there's no objective measure of a living wage that one could compare against what minor league baseball players make. Because certainly, if one did, one would be shocked at the enormous gap in between what major minor league baseball players make and a living wage. Yep. And this this quote immediately prompted the advocates for minor leaguers to release a statement, which says, quote, most minor league baseball players work second jobs because their annual salaries are insufficient to make ends meet. The commissioner makes an annual salary of $17.5 million. His suggestion that minor league pay is acceptable is both callous and false. Boom. So yeah, the uh, Rob Manfred rejects the premise that minor league, uh, minor league players don't make a living wage, which is laughable. Um, and he makes what, like $10 million a year, $17.5 million. They just said oh. that in the statement. <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. Imagine what they would have to pay for a commissioner who knew how to play baseball. <sighs> anyway, very frustrating. Um, but another interesting tidbit that came out of Rob Manfred talking to the media is um, friend of the pod, Bradford William Davis had a chat with Rob Manfred about the baseballs. And there was some pretty revelatory stuff that he said. Um, he said, you know, first of all, he said, yes, the league used two balls, um, one dead ball and a, and a different juiced ball, which is something that, you know, we've already discussed in great depth with Bradford and Meredith before. Um Manfred claimed it was because of like COVID supply chain issues. So they had to use older balls, the, the, the juiced ones um, to make up for that inventory. And, you know, he, he said to Bradford, we made it public eventually that they used two balls. And Bradford is pointing out in his Twitter thread about this, that like, yeah, of course you made it public after we wrote this article about it. <laughs> um, but, you know, so then then they got into the subject of uh, of Meredith's latest research, um, which involved obtaining balls throughout the 2021 season um, and show which showed that uh, Major League Baseball continued to manufacture the older juiced ball. It wasn't just that they were using two baseballs and they were reaching back into the old supply of juiced balls to make up for the inventory. It's that they kept making the juiced ball. And Meredith knew this because the dates are printed on the ball. She showed it to us during the podcast. You can see it. Which is something that Rob Manfred didn't seem to know. No. He didn't seem to understand that no, when like, Bradford said it to him. He probably should have known that. He would think as a commissioner. Right. With all these conversations, like it was a conversation happening last year. Like they made a big deal out of not agreeing with any of it. They quietly agreed with it. They knew that this was a topic. How do you not know that there's a date on the inside of the fucking ball? Right. So Manfred said when 
Bradford brought this up uh, when Bradford brought up Meredith's research in the article that Bradford wrote about Meredith's research. He's uh, Rob Manfred said the research is uh, the researchers are is just plain are not right. OK, I mean, it changed the manufacturing process at one point. The baseballs that were produced in 2020 for 2021 were produced under one system. There were 2020 balls that were out there. I just said that. So they would find some from the old process, some from the new. But once we switched to the new process, they were all produced under the new process, which Meredith's research directly contradicts what he's saying here. Um, but he's saying Meredith is wrong, basically, even though the, the dates are printed on the balls, which is nuts. Um, so he just seems to like not be understanding that. Um, so he's uh, and Bradford goes on to say, so if that's the case, Manfred Manfred denounced Wills's method of determining when balls were manufactured, which is interesting because Major League Baseball never contested the method in our article when it was published or in Stephanie Epstein's Sports Illustrated article about this. So at the time the articles came out, they never disputed the process of like determining when the balls were manufactured. This is a brand new issue that Manfred's bringing up. He's claiming that like that's wrong, determining when when the balls were manufactured, like that's inaccurate. But they never said that when the article came out. So, uh. but then of course, Bradford followed up and said, when I asked where I could go and ask more detailed information on why the league rejects Dr. Wills's research, Manfred said, quote, honestly, I can't help you on that one either. So <laughs> he doesn't like, he's saying that Meredith's wrong, but he's not providing any, any evidence to contradict her. It's and, just, and he's making himself look stupid too. Like he had no information. Like you're the commissioner of Major League Baseball, and you don't know anything about the baseballs. Yep, I don't know. Like either you're the dumbest person in law alive, or you're lying. Yep. Yeah. Thanks about that. Yep. <laughs> More or less. So that was that was interesting. So Rob Manfred not only uh, thinks that minor leaguers make a living wage and it's totally fine. He also, you know, has can't can't contradict Meredith Wills's research about the two baseballs and when they were manufactured, but still insists it's wrong anyway. <laughs> anyway, well, they're just going to keep Meredith busy forever, it seems. <laughs> Yes, they are. Regular reminder to send Meredith your baseballs. Yep. Send Meredith your baseballs. Derby ball. She wants those. Yeah. Send send her your baseballs. If you do, we will give you free stuff. <laughs> yeah, yes. we will. We will <laughs> give you free stuff. Um, so I guess the only thing really left on the docket for this week is uh, all-star game reactions and home run derby chatter. So we, we talked about Juan Soto, you know, coming in like a king at 1.30 a.m. and then waking up the next day and winning the home run derby. Sadly, that came at the expense of Pete Alonso, who did not three-peat his home run derby crown. Um, he did not. It was, no. and and then he and he didn't actually make it to the finals. It was Julio Rodriguez who had an awesome round. And I think I don't know. I I, I always love when Pete wins anything and is generally happy. But I also feel like his genuine love of the Derby was just on full display and is infectious for everyone. And I don't know how anyone, Mets fan or otherwise, can't be super happy with how that went. Yeah. Yeah, I really don't understand all the hate 
Pete gets. Our poor darling Pete. He's just a goof who loves baseball. Yeah. He, he's a happy golden retriever, an excitable golden retriever who just wants to mash baseballs. How can anybody fault that? I think people like, I don't know. I, well, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the stupid Padres fans because they, they are different level of pathology when it comes to Pete Alonso. And the Braves fans too. Which is super weird because the fact that Pete Alonso lives right free in the heads of Padres fans when Chris Paddock is no longer in their organization is like wild to me. Um, so we won't talk about them because they have like a weird, like they've got bigger, they've got bigger complex issues going on here. As far as like general, like, fan bases of other teams like disliking Alonzo for some reason and seem to like invent reasons to not like him it's like super weird but I think that they like mistake his like his like jock like personality as like aggressive or something I don't really get it uh I don't know he doesn't come across as aggressive no but they just like make fun of his like himbo like deadlifts to warm up for the derby and I don't think they understand that he literally is just like no thoughts just vibes like (laughs) yes he's not doing it like also the thought of like oh you know I really want to win the home run derby as being like a like uber competitive like i will fight you to win the home run derby it's like no he really wants to win the home run derby because it's awesome man and he and he was playing for charity yeah (laughs) Yeah. he's done that every year he's played for charity he donated his winnings before he made a million dollars in 2019 i will say like i've heard plenty of fans complain about him I don't know that I've ever heard any person who has had actual interaction with Pete Alonso ever have anything negative to say about him. No, he's just a good dude. That's why I get so upset. Like, he doesn't deserve this. He's not an awful person. Like, that person who compared him to Trevor Bauer. I was not going to dignify that tweet with time on this podcast, but since you brought it up, that did happen. And that tweet was deleted because people dragged that person so hard. Because it was the the dumbest things he's... It was that's enraging. Like there's 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 annoying about Pete Alonso. And then there's like stuff that's like flat out enraging and offensive, which is making a comparison between him and a domestic abuser. Like that's messed up. And you should like you should like really reevaluate yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And evaluate your perspective as a fan, too. Like it was a Yankees fan because. So does he have Uh, no problems with Chapman on his team? Probably. I don't know. He probably cheers for Chapman. Yeah. He has women deserve their rights in his bio, which is the funniest <laughs> part. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was next level. And like yeah. Meredith, like I've tweeted something like, you know, everybody's like, oh, there needs to be more fun in baseball. And the Derby's supposed to be fun. Pete embraces it. And then everybody's like, no, fuck that guy. It's like, why would you rather him not embrace the home run derby? And Meredith was like, I find his enthusiasm infectious. Yeah, it's very like he's very fun. And he's possibly like one of the most inoffensive players in baseball. And I just don't understand the weird. It's because he's good and like plays in New York. That's like the whole that's but, was, but he was even when he was on bad teams, people, uh, maybe it was just mostly the Padres. Big family. bad New York, though, like like other mm. fan bases don't really. I mean, I think they do a little bit, but other fan bases don't really distinguish between the Mets and the Yankees the way that we do. Like they just see New York as like this. 
Exactly. And I feel like Yankees fans have their hang up because he beat Judge's record too. Yeah, they're like weird. That's about the thing, that. definitely. Yeah. Even though Judge was rooting for him. Yeah. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. Awesome. Everybody wins. I was going to say, Judge doesn't even enter. Stanton doesn't even enter. Some of the biggest home run hitters don't even enter. And here's somebody who is a big, beefy, like, who he's the epitome of the home run derby, who loves it and embraces it and wants to compete in it. And everybody's like, no, hate him. Yeah. Annoying. Um, But anyway, Danielle, friend of the pod, Danielle said it best. Pete Alonso did not survive a horrific car crash and pen an eloquent, thoughtful essay about dealing with PTSD just for you basement dwelling mouth breathers to get on here and whine that he cares too much about playing well. Exactly. Mm. And also, Pete, fix your donation button on your website so we can donate, so we can turn this into a positive thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, even though Pete Alonso didn't win the home run derby and didn't three P, I'm still it was still a very fun home run derby. Juan Soto, great home run derby winner. Julio Rodriguez, super fun to watch. That was like very fun. Um, so I'm not mad about it. Um, no, I'm judging a little bit uh, that, you know, Pete didn't have a problem having big rounds and finishing in past years. Just putting that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, David Wright also ran into that issue though. <laughs> oh boy. Um, cue the discourse if Pete Alonso goes into any sort of slump out of the break. Homer Derby ruined him. Oh, he was already, already in a slump entering the break. Though. He was. <laughs> he was doing really bad. <laughs> uh, speaking of Rodriguez, he is currently batting as we speak. The American League has taken the lead uh, over the National League in the sixth inning, three to two. The American League, I think, in the fourth hit uh, back-to-back homers that John Carlos Stanton and Byron Buxton hit back-to-back homers. So now the AL is up three to two um, as they bat in the top of the sixth. Um, and Jeff McNeil has already had two at-bats, which is very fun. He got hit by a pitch, <laughs> cue the buck cam. And then he, I think he grinded out in his other at-bat. So I don't know if he's, I don't even know if he's still in the game. I've tr- been trying to like check in a- on my stream, but I confess I've not been paying. Well, the National League needs to tie it because then they're going to a derby to determine who wins. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a new thing where, like, if it's tied instead of extra innings, they're going to do a home run derby. And so I desperately want that to happen. That would be yeah. Awesome. Let's see who will be cheering Pete then. Yeah, right. Um. So, yeah, all-star game is fun. Harbor and who's their third one? Because they pretty much are guaranteed to win if they do it. Uh... I don't know who their third one is. I forget. It was another masher. I can't remember who their third one was, but it was definitely Pete and Schwarber. Yeah. Be a tough team. So tough team to beat on that. I mean, the AL would just send up judge and <laughs> whoever Rodriguez. Um, but um, yeah, so the all-star game is fun. The home run derby is fun. I enjoy these things. I like, getting to watch them every year. I like getting to watch all these players that I don't get to see all that often play. Um, and it's very fun. And it's cool that we have like a close game going here um, in the sixth. But um, b- 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 bleh, before we move on to walk-off wins, um, I just wanted to take a moment uh, to acknowledge uh, everything that Kellyanne Healy has given to this show. She is yeah. leaving the yeah. podcast. Um, not for any like, scary, terrible reason. She's just very overwhelmed with grad school and her fellowship, which is totally understandable. She's got a lot going on. 
Um, and she came on the show to sub in for Maggie when Maggie was out for a while. And she did such a good job that we couldn't possibly kick her out when Maggie came back. Um, so then we had we had the uh, absolute pleasure of having Maggie and Kellyanne for a while. Um, but now we are transitioning back to just being a three person podcast again. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to shout out Kellyanne and thank her for all of her, all of the work that she's done on this show. Um, we are so deeply grateful for everything that she's contributed. And yeah, yeah I on her grad school studies going forward. Yeah, I was so lucky to be able to leave my seat in good hands when I wasn't around and I always really appreciated what Kellyanne did for for us and stepping in and making herself a part of this show. And and we will miss her. And hopefully you guys will have lots of opportunities to hear her on various occasions as time goes on. Yeah, she absolutely is not gone forever. She just is not a permanent host anymore. Um, she will. We will. We ha- she knows she has an open invitation to be on this show whenever she wants. Uh so it, it is likely you will hear her voice again at some point. And, you know, when Dollars for Dingers comes around, she won't be a stranger. Um, but, yeah, she will not be a regular uh, co-host moving forward. But thank you very much, Kellyanne. We will miss you. Um, and we're excited to have you at some point in the future. Um, so that uh does it for the show this week before we end the show we will do walk-off wins like we always do where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week baseball related or otherwise linda servich what is your walk-off win for this week uh my walk-off win was well is um i got to see the backstreet boys again um at jones beach the last time i saw them was 2019 pre-pandemic and that was the first time i saw them in concert so i was always upset that i never saw them as a team like i felt like that was like a quintessential thing you should have done growing up in the 90s and i never did it and so when they were going on tour again um we knew we had to see them in 2019 and then when i saw it they were you know performing again and it it was the weekend of my sister's birthday so it's like we had to do it her birthday was the 17th and they were performing on the 16th so that was her birthday gift um (laughs) but it was just uh just like hearing them again I could just picture myself with my disc bin playing their millennium album on repeat every day going to high school on the school Mm -hmm. bus um (laughs) just you know, and they, they, they know why you're there. They, they sing all their, every song you could possibly, every song, you know, they sing, um, and they still, their little dance moves down and their coordination and it's like Kevin's 50. <laughs> I'm glad to hear they're still like highly limber and mobile. I would they be worried. Are. Oh my God. They totally like, they haven't missed a beat. But then I was like, I'm sore the next day. How are they moving? <laughs> like, I was just sore from standing up the entire concert. <laughs> but I didn't appreciate that they said multiple times we've been together 30 years. Oh, <laughs> like, that's a lot of years. Yeah, I was like, can we please stop how that math that? works. Yeah. Sound right. I'm like, you don't need to keep bringing this up. You really don't. We can, we can just forget that that happened. Um, but I've never been to Jones Beach, and it's actually a really nice venue. But um, the stage is literally on the water. Um, it like in the 
I don't know if it's in the ocean or in the bay, um, but it's, yeah, you're on the water. So you're looking out at the water and then they have like a lot of um, different food and like drinks and like a little picnic area outside before you enter in. And um, so it was, and it was a really nice night too. Um, it was a little muggy um, and I felt bad for the guys because they were clearly sweating. Um and then Nick was wearing a jacket. I'm like, Nick, take it off, man. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but overall, I mean, they put on a good show. If you ever have a chance to go see the Backstreet Boys, it's a fun night. Um, because they 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 really do still still bring the energy. And it's like, yeah, like I was in my element, like reliving my, my glory days. Um, but yeah. I'm a BSB girl for life. And if they, anytime they go on tour, I'll go see them because I'm that, that person. Amazing. We love, we love a good nostalgia. We love some good throwbacks. Um, Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so this Sunday was the thrice scheduled, long awaited um, wedding of my friend Rosie, who her original wedding date was for the middle of 2020. And then her rescheduled wedding date was for October of 2021. And this Sunday, she got married. <laughs> and we were so happy. She had waited so long and put so much work into it. Um, I say we, and I do mean me and the other people who are there, which included none of my <laughs> family. <laughs> because I got COVID a month ago and they all got COVID last week. So <laughs> I had to, uh, yeah. I had to take the hit. I had to really like shoulder the burden of putting on my best dress and putting way too much time into my hair and makeup and hitting the town, looking excellent and talking to a whole bunch of grownups for as long as I wanted with no children anywhere. I, I took the hit and I did that on behalf of my family who was home with COVID. But everyone's fine, by the way. This this story would not be as like tongue in cheek if any of them were like symptomatic. But um, but yeah, so it was a lovely, it was a lovely wedding. It was at this really nice Italian restaurant in the village called La Conta Verde. And I would definitely recommend it. The food was fantastic. Um, and it was just, it was just lovely. It was a really great day. A plus. That's awesome. I'm glad you had a good time, even if your family couldn't be with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so sad. So my uh, my walk off win for this week um, is the fact that I went to Chicago last week. Um, I, I was able to test negative. I it was it was a close call because I got covid like the week before the trip. Um, but I tested negative um, the day before I was set to get on the flight. So I went um, and I had a great time. Uh, my family had a great time. We went to Wrigley and it was wonderful. We went to the game that the Mets won eight to nothing. So it was, it turned out to be the best game in the series. Um, we panic bought tickets. We originally had tickets for the Friday night game. Um, and we, pa we panicked on Thursday night because there was rain in the forecast suddenly for Friday. And we were like, no, 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 we are not <laughs> missing Wrigley. So we panic bought tickets for Thursday's game. And I'm really glad we did because the Mets won eight to nothing. And it was a fantastic game. And I really enjoyed Wrigley and I'm so glad that we got to see it. Um, 
And then, yeah, you know, it did run or it did rain on Friday and the game got rained out. And so I sold the tickets that we had for that game because it got rescheduled for Saturday after we were already flying home. Um, so, yep. And we got to go. We we did a bunch of other stuff in Chicago. We got to go to the Field Museum, which was awesome. Highly recommend. Um, super great natural history museum. We went to the American Writers Museum, which Michael really enjoyed and I really enjoyed as well. Really lovely museum, super fun. Um, we got to go on the uh, architectural boat tour, which is, you know, the thing that everyone says you got to do when you go to Chicago and they are not lying about it because it was fantastic. Um, I got the best, some of the best photos you could ever get of the, of the, all the wonderful Chicago buildings and skyline. Um, it was just, it was a fantastic trip and I, I, it was the first time I'd ever been to Chicago and I would definitely go back, but only in the I summer. love Chicago. It's one of my <laughs> favorite cities. Yeah. I hear such good things about Chicago. I do want to go. If it wasn't for the winter, I would live there. <laughs> I say that yeah, about that Vermont is my too. exact feeling about Chicago. Yeah. But um, I, also anybody who's heading over there from this area, if uh, they have the time for it should definitely, definitely do the um, Amtrak Lakeshore limited line to get out there do a nice overnight train ride it is lovely great way to get to chicago yeah um so yeah chicago awesome city would go back didn't enjoy the deep dish not gonna lie but every other meal i had there a plus how is Wrigley? awesome you get what's up to it oh yeah 100 percent. instant top three ballpark for me so good loved it like, even though it's old, does it still, yep. like... I, I will be the stuff? dissenter. I did not care care for Wrigley. I'll be honest. I loved it. I liked it more than Fenway. <laughs> I haven't been to Fenway. <clears throat> Fenway. Fenway was, like, a hype letdown for me, whereas Wrigley was not. But yeah. agree to disagree on it. I liked yes. it a lot. I just needed to be totally honest about... No, it's totally, my- it's totally fair. Different strokes for different folks. I loved it. It's probably... Probably my third favorite ballpark that I've been to with number one being Camden Yards and number two being PNC Park. Yeah, PNC is so hard to compete with. Yeah, I don't think it tops that one. But for me, it's a solid number three of of the ballparks I've been to. Um, I have a small like lesser second walk off win, um, which is that I want to I want to shout out Apple TV Plus for sending me a fantastic gift, which was so cool. Um, I got back from Chicago to a package that I was not expecting. And I was like, what's this? And I opened it up and it was a monogrammed baseball mitt and a personalized baseball from Apple TV Plus, which is awesome. I got an I got a, uh, a DM from, you know, the head of the the head of SB Nation podcasts a while back. Um, saying, you know, hey, Apple TV is giving out some swag to some of the podcast hosts of the team sites. Do you want some swag? And I was like, sure, why not? And I gave him like my mailing address and stuff and promptly completely forgot about the whole conversation because it happened back in like May. Um, And suddenly, you know, I now it's July and I returned from this trip and I have free swag and it's like (laughs) way cooler swag than I ever could have imagined. Um, so yeah, shout out to Apple TV plus. Thank you so much for the glove. I actually like don't have a baseball glove. I did have a baseball glove at one time when I was younger, um, for like the very brief period of my life when I played softball, we don't speak of those times. Um, cause I was very bad at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did have a glove and I don't know whatever happened to it. I think it might've gotten lost in my, uh, my parents' recent flood that they had of their basement. 
Um, so I actually don't have a baseball glove and now I do, and I'm really happy about it. It has my name on it. So thanks Apple Everyone TV. Everyone knows it's yours. That's yes. really cool. Um, so that does it for the show this week. But we do have a little bit of breaking sad, kind of sad breaking news. Oh no. What's um, that? They did the stand up to cancer segment and both Manny Machado and Pete Alonso wrote Wayne Kirby. Oh no. Yeah. So it seems their first base coach is cancer. That is sad. That is I didn't very know sad. that. Yeah. Um, well, best of luck to Wayne Kirby. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, oh, no, poor Wayne Kirby. Didn't they say that he was like getting surgery? Yeah. And he was going to uh, miss some time, I think, during the after the All Star break. So yeah. But they didn't that. say what kind of surgery. Well, clearly that is why. Totally that yeah. Well, yeah. Get well soon, Wayne. Yeah. yeah. Best of luck to Wayne Kirby. Um, definitely in our thoughts. Uh, hopefully he recovers well um, from the surgery. Um, so best of luck to him. Hopefully he's back with the Mets soon. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, that does it for this very news heavy <laughs> news laden show this <laughs> week. Um, you can uh, find game recaps, um, you know, uh, morning news posts all over at amazingavenue.com. Right now we have tons and tons of coverage of the draft. Um, so if you want to find all that stuff, which, you know, this is not the right podcast to talk about the draft, which is something we didn't even touch that happened this week. <laughs> um, but the draft did happen. Um, and you can, uh, follow all of our minor league uh, teams coverage of the draft. They do a fantastic job. Listen to from complex to Queens, read all their stuff over at amazingavenue.com. They've got bios of all the Mets draft picks analysis, everything you could ask for about the draft. So go to amazingavenue.com for that and everything else we always do. Um, you can follow amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Yep. So follow the show on Twitter. Follow each of us on Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast, Amazing Avenue Audio, wherever you get your podcasts from. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.